the scriptures tell us again and again to remain in God, abide in God, trust in God, remain in God and take care of each other, abide in God and you will love each other, trust in God and in God's commandments. How can you love God without loving each other? How can you be a friend of God without showing God's love? Let's watch a short video made by a nonprofit organization called Caritas International as part of their Food for All campaign. It illustrates in 60 seconds an ancient story called the Allegory of the Long Spoons. In one version of this story, told by Lionel Blue and June Rose in A Taste of Heaven, the ending sounds like this. Nothing had changed, and yet everything had. For with the same long spoons, they reached each other's face and fed each other's mouth. And they gave thanks to God, the author and origin of their joy. And the one watching bent down and blessed God who had shown him the nature of heaven and hell and the chasm a hair's breadth wide that separated them. You see, this allegory of the long spoons illustrates beautifully the idea that without showing God's love, we find ourselves in a hell of our own making. That there are times that we must rely on each other for help and support. Now, we all learn this lesson very strongly when we are are young. As children, we must rely on others for providing food, emotional support, education, and so on. We're born so helpless, in fact, that not only can we not stand up on our own two feet, we can't go anywhere on our own. Two feet, all four crawling, before that, we rely completely on others. As we grow up, it becomes easier and easier to forget that we do, in fact, need each other. To push aside this need for support is one of the childish things. After all, we talk about supporting our families and the freedom of the open road. But we must rely on each other, even as adults. We rely on each other to act in recognizable ways 
to uphold the order of our society. Even when things break down, to help put it all back together. If nothing else, we yearn to trust that we won't break each other's long spoons through violence. And so the Bible reminds us that perfect love casts out all fear. That when we achieve perfect love, all fear and violence itself will be gone. Now, it can get confusing as we talk about trust and love, since Hebrew, Greek, and Latin have so many different words that we just have one that translates as love. Uh, In his book, Four Loves, for example, C.S. Lewis identifies four different Greek words for love. Philos, eros, agape, and storge. These all have direct Hebrew equivalents as well, though I'm not going to dive into them that far today, sticking with the Greek one language at a time. (laughs) Storge, then, is the love between parents and children. It's a love between people who are not equal, but are still able to trust and rely on each other. In the Bible, this actually only appears in the negative. Estorgas, meaning without love, devoid of affection. The lack of storge, the reciprocal tenderness between parent and children, is usually translated as heartless, and Paul uses this word to refer to signs of the end times, that people will be heartless without even a love between parents and children. Eros, eros, excuse me, I need to pronounce this correctly, eros, is the love shared between romantic partners. Yes, it is the root of erotic, though that word has come to be more associated with lust than with romantic partnership. That's where its origin is. In the Bible, eros is mostly connected with the Song of Songs, though there are other places that it comes up to. Continuing on, agape is the love of God for humanity. Often called perfect love, it somehow connects the other loves together and reminds us that God's love for us is like a banquet with enough for everyone to share. Indeed, in the early church, communion was associated not just with a piece of bread, but with a full meal, not just with a tiny cup, but with an overflowing cup that would continue to be filled, that everyone could eat and drink their fill. Church potlucks are an ancient tradition, my friends. And they were sacramental, too. Oddly, it seems like Christians actually coined this word agape, that this uh, comes from an obscure Greek word that means greet with affection, receive with friendship, to like or to love. Since there is a similar-sounding word in Hebrew, uh, achava, agape, achava, they've got a similar sound to them if you're an ancient person, I suppose. Uh, and achava means godly love or the love that finds expression in giving. It's the thought that the use of this by gospel writers, the use of agape by the gospel writers, uh, was a link to the idea that God is the God of all the world, regardless of whether you speak Hebrew or Greek or any other language. God's love transcends language, transcends the differences that we have and share. 
Last of these words is philos, the love of equal friendship or of siblings. You probably recognize it as the root of Philadelphia, philos adelphia, love of the brethren, city of brotherly love, as it's often called. That's a Greek translation. I should note, though, that philos itself is gender neutral. Uh, Even if equal friendship between people of different genders wasn't thought of as likely in the ancient world, the word itself referred to friendship in general and not just a male friendship. Now, in our world, friendship is often seen as quite a low bar. Many people have hundreds, if not thousands, of people they call friends on Facebook or other social media. Friendship seems like the very minimum level of things these days. Oh, this is my friend. We met once, but they're my friend. In the ancient world, it wasn't like that. Calling someone a friend acknowledged that this was a thing of the highest honor. You were seeing a bond like that of siblings between unrelated people. This is the highest honor in the ancient world. Consider this. Philip of Macedon, father of Alexander the Great, formed an elite cavalry unit known as the Companions, Hetairoi, or later the Friends, Philoi. The Friends had access to Philip at all times, even more so than his wives and counselors in some instances. They would take turns serving each other, this group of cavalrymen recognizing that they relied on each other in combat and outside of combat, and found that the true partnership that emerged was a powerful force to be reckoned with. Later on, Roman emperors adopted a similar model to where even Emperor Augustus, the first Roman emperor, his friends could approach him at any time without worry of a social status gap or chasm that stood between them. If you were a friend to the emperor, you were welcome in the emperor's presence at any time. So when Jesus uses this language to call the disciples to no longer be douloi, servants or slaves, and instead be philoi, friends, brothers, siblings, Jesus is stating that they will always have access to him, that Jesus' doors are open at all times, that they are welcome to be with Jesus that they are in a true partnership with Jesus, working towards God's mission. And through the disciples, God has called us also to be partners in this mission. What does being partners with God look like? It means that God gives everyone long spoons and trusts us to teach each other to feed others, while also trusting others to feed us. It means that we need to listen for cries of hunger, literal or figurative, and assist where we can. It's one of the reasons that Trinity is in partnership with the Bixby Outreach Center to offer food and support to people experiencing scarcity and loss in our community. In addition, we also support the work of the Presbyterian Disaster Assistance Organization, which offers help in rebuilding after a disaster. In this case, we're helping with the hunger for shelter. There's also the hunger of community, which we 
answer on Sunday mornings, as well as special gatherings through the week and chances that we have to meet with each other in fellowship outside the walls of the church. It reminds us that we are all indeed God's children. As God's children, God has called us to recognize God's light in everyone and to show agape love for each other and philos love for each other, just as God loves us. As William Barclay says, the best way to spread Christianity is to be Christian. The way to bring others into Christian faith is to show them the fruit of the Christian life. So, be an example of Christ's love in the world, offering the assurance and the sustenance of the Holy Spirit through your actions. Give to others and receive from others in turn. Know that even in the most troubling of times, God calls you into God's presence and God calls you to take God's presence to others. In that way, you will act as a partner of God in supporting that long spoon of love. And so may the God of love abide in you and you in God. May Christ's commandment to love each other be a call to bring out the long spoons. May the Holy Spirit fill you with friendship so that you can be a true partner of God in the world. Amen.